Chapter 44 The Denials of Peter When our Lord was arrested, Peter followed him afar off. With him was John. They both went to the house of Annas and Caiaphas, where our Lord was tried. The house of the high priest, where the trial was held, was, like many oriental houses, built around a quadrangular court, the entrance to which was gained by a passage from the front part of the house. This passage or archway was a porch closed to the street by a heavy gate. The gate on this occasion was kept by a maid of the high priest. The interior court to which the passage led was covered with flagstones and open to the sky. The night was cold, for it was early in April. Peter had already failed the Lord in the garden by sleeping. Now he had a chance to undo his failure. But danger lurked for Peter, first of all because of his exaggerated self-confidence in his own loyalty. Though an ancient prophet had told that the sheep would be dispersed, Peter felt that, because he was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he might be dispensed from such a collapse. A second danger was his previous failure when he was bidden to watch and pray. He did not watch, for he fell asleep. He did not pray, for he substituted activism for spirituality by swinging a sword. A third danger was that the physical distance he kept from Christ might have been a symbol of the spiritual distance that separated the two. Any distance from the Son of Righteousness is darkness. When Peter entered the courtyard, he began to warm himself by the fire. In the light of the flame, the maiden who had let him in the gate was better able to see his face. If the challenge to Peter's loyalty had come from a sword or from a man, he possibly might have been stronger. But hampered by his pride, a young woman proved too strong for the presumptuous Peter. Christ's plan was to conquer by suffering. Peter's plan was to conquer by resisting. But here there was little obvious opposition. Thrown off guard by the maid, he made his first denial. The maidservant said to him, Thou too wast with Jesus the Galilean. Matthew 26.69 To everyone round about the fire, Peter answered, I do not know what thou meanest. Matthew 26.70 Peter began to feel uncomfortable in what seemed to him like the searchlight of a flame that was examining his soul as well as exploring his face, so he moved a little distance toward the porch. Anxious to escape from inquiring faces and busy tongues, he felt safer in the retirement of the darkness of the porch. The same or possibly another maid came to him affirming that he had been with Jesus of Nazareth, and he denied it again this time by invoking an oath, saying, I know nothing of the man. Matthew 26:72. He who had drawn the sword in defense of the master a few hours before now denied the one whom he had sought to defend. He who had called his master the son of the living God now calls him the man. More time passed, and his savior was accused of blasphemy and delivered over to the brutality of the attendants, but Peter was still surrounded. Though it was midnight or thereafter, the crowds probably swelled at the news of the trial of our blessed Lord. Among those that were standing by was a kinsman of Malchus, who distinctly remembered that Peter had cut off the ear of his relative in the garden, and that the Lord had restored it. Peter, all the while anxious to cover up his nervousness and to pretend more than ever that he knew not the man, became evidently very garrulous, and this gave him away. His provincial accent showed that he was a Galilean. It was generally known that most of the adherents of our Lord had come from that area, which lacked the polished dialect of Judea and Jerusalem. There were certain guttural letters which the Galileans could not pronounce, and immediately one of the bystanders said, It is certain that thou art one of them, even thy speech betrays thee. Matthew 26.73 Peter invoked an oath, and now he fell to calling down curses on himself and swearing, I know nothing of the man. Matthew 26.74 By this time Peter was enraged, so he invoked the omnipotent God to witness his reiterated untruth. One wonders if there was not a kind of throwback to his fisherman days. 
Perhaps when his net became tangled in the Sea of Galilee, his temper had often got the better of him, and he had resorted to blasphemy. In any case, he now swore in order to force belief on the incredulous. Memories of the past rushed in on him. The Lord had called him blessed as he gave him the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and permitted him to see his glory in the transfiguration. Now in the chilly morn, as the consciousness of guilt mounted in his soul, he heard an unexpected sound. The cock crew. Matthew 26:74. Even nature itself protested the denial of Christ. Then there flashed across his mind the words which Jesus had said, Before the cock crows thou wilt thrice disown me. At this moment our blessed Lord was led from the scourging, his face covered with spittle, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Luke 22:61. Though bound shamefully, the master's eye sought out Peter with boundless pity. He said nothing, he just looked. The look probably was a refreshment of memory and an awakening of love. Peter might deny the man, but God would still love the man Peter. The very fact that the Lord had to turn to look on Peter meant that Peter's back had been turned on the Lord. The wounded stag was seeking the thicket to bleed alone, but the Lord came to Peter's wounded heart to draw out the arrow. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Luke 22:62. Peter was now filled with repentance, as Judas in a few hours would be filled with remorse. Peter's sorrow was caused by the thought of sin itself or the wounding of the person of God. Repentance is not concerned with consequences, but remorse is inspired principally by fear of consequences. The same mercy extended to the one who denied him would be extended to those who would nail him to the cross and to the penitent thief who would ask for forgiveness. Peter really did not deny that Christ was the Son of God. He denied that he knew the man or that he was one of his disciples. But he failed the Master. And yet, knowing all, the Son of God made Peter, who knew sin, and not John, the rock upon which he built his church, that sinners and the weak might never despair.